All right. Week seven's in the books. We're almost halfway through the season. We're going to discuss power rankings after week seven. Then we discuss the running up the score quarterback building. What floor is your quarterback on? You are listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. All right, running up the score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. There's a lot to talk about. Week. Seven is in the books, and boy, oh boy, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, unfortunately, the Eagles won against the Dolphins Sunday night, which there's a lot to be talked about in that game, but last night, Monday night, we watched the prime time Kirk Cousins actually carve up that 49ers defense and Brock Purdy look like a deer in headlights and I loved every minute of it and you know what he's only one interception behind Dak Prescott the interception prone Dak Prescott the not good quarterback Dak Prescott it's it's funny how that works Oh, and let's let's not forget, Jalen Hurts tied for the most interceptions in the league. Hmm. Funny how that all works. So now the Cowboys are coming off their bye, but I'll get into the Cowboys a little later. Let me talk about this Monday night game. Oh, 49ers. It's time to be concerned. It is time to be concerned. Brock Purdy, another game. Mm, little off. Little off. Yeah, he was 21 for 30, but two picks. Again, the defense not playing to the 49ers caliber. Once again, for the second straight week, the eyes are on Brock Purdy to make plays. To bring his team back. And he fell flat on his face. Again. Now again. I have said it last week. You know the whole. You know getting the team down. To, to kick a game winning field goal. Against the Browns. There's you know. You could really pick that drive apart. So I'm not even going to give him that. Okay. The, the fact that. He came into this game without. Debo Samuel. Without Trent Williams, which actually, to me, I don't know, maybe I didn't hear anything really about it after last week's game. I just heard, you know, he came back to play, played the whole game, heard that basically everybody was day-to-day. Then we find out that Debo Samuel has a hairline fracture of his shoulder, and Trent Williams wasn't going to play. So that got interesting for the 49ers. But again, you're going up against the Vikings. You're going up against the Justin jefferson list Minnesota Vikings. Whether you have Justin Jefferson or not, it's still Kirk Cousins in primetime. It's still Kirk Cousins on Monday night. And what Kirk Cousins did 
to that 49ers daunted defense. It's time to be concerned. It's time to be concerned. This is the second straight loss for the 49ers. The 49ers are 0-2 after playing the Dallas Cowboys. Funny how that works. Especially that the the record for teams playing after the 49ers is like 2-20-something or whatever. The One of the, the wins after being the Dallas Cowboys. But they... You know, the Browns kind of showed a little bit of a blueprint to beat the 49ers. The Vikings really showed the blueprint to beat the 49ers. Establish the run early. If you can run the ball, you can beat up on this defense. You need to stop the pass rush. What the Vikings did, they established the run. They threw screens on Nick Bosa's side. This is the perfect example of how to beat the 49ers. You need to score. When you're playing the 49ers, you need to score. You need to move the ball. Because if you fall flat on your face like the Dallas Cowboys did, and you don't move the ball, and it gets to a point where the pass rush now is pin your ears back and get to the quarterback, you're going to struggle against the 49ers. And when you give the 49ers a lead, they know how to keep one, basically. You need to establish the run. You need to throw screens to Nick Bosa's side, slow up the pass rush, and score. Take the lead. Get the lead against the 49ers. Brock Purdy, for the second straight week, has shown that he cannot bring his team back. And just get pressure on Purdy. The The thing that everybody has been complimenting Brock Purdy this year was that he his anticipation. That's one of his biggest, you know, attributes. Anticipation. And he does it very well. I will say that. He knows where his wide receiver is going to be at a certain time. He throws to a window, and it's usually on par. But when you get pressure like the one interception that he threw last night, when you get pressure on him, whether it be off the end or in his face, and he now needs to guess that the wide receiver is going to be in that spot, that's when you cause turnovers, like the Vikings did last night. He went to throw into a window to Jennings. The pass rush made him throw it quicker and further than the wide receiver, causing the interception. But I will say, I think that the 49ers figured out a way to stop the tush push, brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. This is one of the videos that I, you know, that went pretty pretty well for me because I said ban the, the tush push because it's an annoying play. And I'm not even going to get into it because the, the the argument that can go on and on with this play is is ridiculous. But I saw it, and I, I don't know if, if Fred Warner saw it, but I don't know if it was a high school, college, 
junior college, community college, whatever it was, it was a game where basically the middle linebacker jumped over the line and pulled the the quarterback back. Fred Warner did it last night. It actually stopped him. I don't know if he definitely did stop him um, or it was just, you know, another team trying to do this play and it not working. But we might start seeing that more often. You know, at that point, it's like time it well because with the with the Eagles, they just kind of like walk up to the line and then boom, 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 and they're in. So I think it it makes it kind of easier to time it because you're like, all right, once they line up, it's going to be, you know, one step, boom, and in. So you could time it pretty well, and you're going to get a lot of these more athletic linebackers trying this. So I think we may have seen a a recipe to stop the tush push, and it'll be very interesting to see if anybody tries to do that against the Eagles. But boy, oh boy, should you be concerned if you're a 49ers fan. Now, Sunday Night Football. Dolphins, Eagles. The Dolphins, a Super Bowl team? Cut it out. Cut it out. Okay, we've seen offenses, maybe not to the caliber of what we're seeing with Miami, but we've seen offenses that have led the league in everything go into the playoffs and fall flat on their face. What happens when you go up against good defenses? It, you, you you struggle a little bit. The only difference with the Dolphins is their defense is not good. So that's where the the issue comes when it when it comes to the Dolphins. Because yeah, they might be be able to, you know, blow the brakes off of teams. They might be able to run past them on every play. But if you get that one team that's got a very good defense and stops what you do good, the Dolphins have nothing. Now, mind you, 10 penalties compared to zero, that's unheard of. And it's not like, you know, you watch the tape and you're like, wow, Eagles really did not commit any penalties. Because you can literally list at least more than five times where the Eagles committed a penalty and it was not called. Some big plays or some that led to big plays and the Eagles got away with it. The Dolphins did not. But in terms of a Super Bowl team, Let's let's cut it out with the Dolphins, all right? You know, I, I just I don't want to see people talking about the Dolphins like they're, you know, the 49ers or the Eagles or, you know, just teams like that. Or the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs, it's, it's ridiculous. But, but let's also, let's not get ahead of ourselves when it comes to the Eagles being the best team in the league. You know, like the easiest part of their schedule was what they just went through. And they struggled. It wasn't clean. None of their wins were really clean. 
Jalen Hurts has eight interceptions. I don't know exactly how many turnovers he actually has in terms of like fumbles and interceptions. But he hasn't played well. The defense hasn't played what you know to the par of what they were last year. So, you know, it's hard for me to sit back and say, yeah, the Eagles are the best team in the league. But when you look at, you know, who they played, A, and B, how they played these teams, they could have easily lost to the Patriots week one. They could have easily lost to the Vikings week two. Tampa Bay, they actually gave them, they could have easily lost to Washington. They they had to go to overtime against Washington. Washington can't do anything right now. You know, they, they kind of handed the Rams a little bit, but then you lose to the Jets, and then, you know, a couple of calls go either way in Miami or against Miami, and you could have lost that game. So, I don't want to sit back here and and hear anybody say that the Eagles are the best team in the league. They did also just make a, I will say, a very, very nice trade that will help them. Getting Kevin Byard, I mean, one of the better safeties in the league. They And this is what, and it, ugh, it kills me to say this, but I commend Howie Roseman for for doing the kind of moves that he's doing. You know, he he does exactly what he needs or how he feels to make the team better. You know, he's already got one of the better teams in the league, yet each week he's trying to make the team better. And I commend him for that because that's something that we don't see from Jerry Jones, the GM. So, I'll give him that. But in terms of overall, this team's not the best team in the league. And honestly, I don't even think they're better than the 49ers, but right now, record-wise, they are. Now, back to the Dolphins and, you know, even the Lions now. Are the Lions and the Dolphins frauds? Lions and the Dolphins may not be as great as we thought. Both teams have beat up on okay teams. And then you go up against tough teams and they kind of fall away they they kind of fall apart. The Lions win against the Chiefs at the time was like you know you just beat the reigning Super Bowl champions week 1 in Kansas City. You're like all right well we were expecting the Lions to be good this year. Maybe they're even better than we thought they were going to be. But then it, it kind of like you're you're looking at the way the Chiefs are playing now. Totally different team than they were in week one. And the Lions just squeaked out a win. Because we're looking at that defense for the Chiefs now and you're like, wow, this team is this team's really solid. Especially on defense. And in that game, they didn't have Chris Jones. In that game, they didn't have Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey had 130-something you know, yards in the first half last week. 
You know, and then you look at the the Dolphins. The Dolphins, Tua struggles under pressure. That is the recipe to beat this offense. Get pressure on Tua Tagovailoa. The defense, you could do anything against their defense. Their defense isn't good. Whether, you know, that means once Jalen Ramsey comes back, maybe they get a little bit better, but they're really not that good. So I think we need to fall back a little bit on the Lions and the Dolphins. You know, I I, I do think they're fraudulent compared to what people thought they were going into these this week. But I don't think they're bad teams. I just think that they're not as good as everybody thinks they are. Now, in terms of the Bills, I mean, you lose to the Patriots, and Mac Jones looks like Tom Brady. I mean, it's it's kind of scary in terms of the Bills because this isn't the first week that they played ugly. They they've been playing ugly lately. And I said that their defense is decimated with injuries. Their defense isn't stopping anybody. But the the problem is their offense isn't scoring the points that they're used to scoring. And they're struggling on offense. And this is this is where, you know, you can't be a great team and be one sided. You're never going to win a Super Bowl being a one-sided team, especially on offense. The O-line, to me, looks like an issue for the Bills. I felt like the Patriots were in the backfield almost on every play. Josh Allen was kind of running for his life. It's it's kind of scary if you're a Bills fan. But, but, the Dolphins, I don't think, are going to run away with this division. So it's still there for the taking. Although, that also opens it up for the Jets, as crazy as that might sound. Now, Monday night, we saw Aaron Rodgers on the the Manning and Manning cast. His goal is to play this year. That would be absolutely absurd if it does happen because the dude had one of the worst sports injuries that you can have that, I mean, usually takes like a year and a half to come back from. And this guy is already walking on it. He's throwing the ball on it. I, I mean, it it's insane to you know what we're seeing from Aaron Rodgers. So I mean, you open that door for the Jets, especially with the defense that they have. The Bills and the Dolphins should be scared. Like these are games that you know you got to be winning and the and you know the Dolphins lose one to the Eagles, you know you kind of look fraudulent and the Bills, I mean, they can't get you know, past themselves, let alone other teams, and Mac Jones. But I want to turn it back to the NFC East now. You know, people are like, 
you know, it kind of goes back to the Eagles being the best team in the league. I don't even think I, I, I would get killed if I said this, but the NFC East is so much closer than people even realize. Dak Prescott is eight and three career versus the Eagles. Dak Prescott is eight and one in his last nine games versus the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is two and two against the Cowboys, and Dak is one and zero against Jalen Hurts. When you look at both of these teams, talent wise, they're kind of close. And when you like, because people see it as, all right, well, look at the Cowboys against the 49ers, and we think that the the Eagles and the 49ers match up pretty well. But when it comes to the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, now it's tough for me to say this, but right now the 49ers are in the Cowboys' heads. And the reason why I say that is because they went into that game in week five and they did the opposite of what they're used to doing and they're good at doing. Because they felt like that wasn't what was going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. So they were all in their head to the point where they changed up everything that they're they're good at doing. And it hurt them. Let alone you lose by 32. But when it comes to the Eagles, they're not mentally in the Cowboys' heads. If anything, the Cowboys are in the Eagles' heads. So, you know, the fact that the Cowboys are one game behind the Eagles, they play each other in two weeks, they still have another game after that game in two weeks, the Cowboys still have to play Washington two more times, and the Cowboys still have to play the Giants one more time. Now, the Eagles are going against the Commanders this week, and then they're going against the Cowboys. So that's back-to-back division games. We're going to find out where, you know, what the Eagles are all about. If you don't wax the Commanders this week, it's going to be interesting going into to week nine or whatever it is against the Cowboys. And I'm excited for it. For the Cowboys, you know, the trade deadline's coming up. We I just said that the, the Eagles ended up making a trade for Kevin Byard, a position that they needed. Now, the Cowboys, in terms of the trade deadline, the Cowboys, the, the, the positions that they need, maybe O-line help. I would say maybe a defensive tackle, linebacker, cornerback, and maybe wide receiver and running back. Now, mind you, they're not terrible in these positions. These are just positions that could use an upgrade to help them catapult themselves to a higher position. Here are the players I think that the Dallas Cowboys should look into in the trade deadline. This is not in any kind of order. I'm just bringing them up by how I saw it. Derrick Henry. If Tennessee is willing to to move on from the running back, I think this could help the Dallas Cowboys red zone issues. Let alone, I mean, the guy, it's not even that he's great in the red zone. The guy's 
very good running back even, you know, any point in the field. So I think that would help. You know, having the change of pace with Tony Pollard and Derrick Henry was exactly what they had with Zeke and Tony Pollard, and it helped. And I think that's what they need, a change of pace back. I think that would definitely help. So if you make that kind of running back deal, then you don't need to make a deal, I believe, on offense past that. But if you don't make that running back deal, I think tight end could be a you know a look. Zach Ertz, I think that's a player that we could look at. Maybe at wide receiver because Michael Gallup's not playing up to snuff. Hunter Renfro, a guy. You know, obviously everybody's talking about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, financially, it would not work with the Dallas Cowboys. So, let's think of someone else. Hunter Renfro, possession wide receiver, a guy that Dak could look at as a safety blanket. Perfect. Another running back, James Conner. Another guy, change of pace back, that could help. Then on the defensive side of the ball, Patrick Sertan, obviously. Would, I would love that because even, you know, you keep them next year having Gilmore, Sertan, and Diggs, that'd be scary. If you don't go Patrick Sertan, maybe Jalen Johnson from the Bears. Then maybe look at linebacker Jordan Hicks, another guy, although Minnesota's kind of still like still in it, so you may not be able to get what you want to get out of Minnesota. And then outside of a trade, maybe signing someone off the couch, you know, because that's been a, a trend lately. How about Ndamukong Sue? A guy that could plug up the middle, an area that the Cowboys still kind of struggle in because Mozzie Smith is not playing to what we thought or, you know, or at least not yet. So why not grab a guy like Ndamukong Sue? I mean, I'm... Pretty sure he could still play. I mean, come on. So these are those are the guys that I believe that the Cowboys should look at in the trade deadline. It's funny, you know, going into this this season, you know, you think that you know exactly what's gonna go on in the season. You know, you you, you have an inclination of how the season's gonna go. But what I've learned so far this year, you can't get complacent on a team being great because those teams give you a game where it's questioned. I I wrote down exactly like what I'm talking about. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. They go into week one. They play the Lions. They lose to, to the Lions week one. Cowboys beat the brakes off of the state of New Jersey the first two weeks and then go into Arizona and lay an egg. 49ers look like a team that can't lose. Go into Cleveland and get stifled by the Browns defense and beaten by P.J. Walker. The Bills lose week one. Then to the Jags in week five. And now to the Patriots in week seven. The Dolphins lose to the Bills in week four after they look like the next greatest show on turf. 
Then you lose to the Bills by almost 20 or more than 20. And then you show another game where you struggle against the Eagles in Week 7. The Lions get absolutely obliterated by the Ravens in Week 7. They also lost to the Seahawks. And the Seahawks have been a an up-and-down roller coaster, basically. And then you have the Eagles lose to the Jets in Week 6. There's a lot of trust issues. And Week 7, I think, has brought up more questions than anything than any other week. Are the Lions as good as we thought? Are the Dolphins as good as we thought? The Browns go up against the 49ers, hold them to 17 points. Then go up against the Gardner Minshew-led Colts and give up 38 points and almost lose. What injury does Deshaun Watson have? Is it just to a point now where the, the Browns just are giving up? We don't know. Lamar Jackson choosing to pass over run? Crazy. And is he better now than ever? It's possible. Will the Chargers move on from Brandon Staley before the season ends? It shouldn't have taken you a full first half of Travis Kelsey catching like 11 balls and 130-something yards in the first half for you to decide to double-team him. I mean, that's all the questions that need to be answered. And I don't think we're going to get those answers. We're almost halfway through the season. And there's a lot of questions to be answered. Now, one of the bigger things that were brought up was uh, Jonathan Allen's comments. And were they warranted? Were they okay? Is this something not to do? Now, in terms of Jonathan Allen, and I'll play the clip. What's the evaluation like after a loss like that? They whooped our ass, plain and simple. Got to be better. Anything they did that surprised you guys early on? No, I want to say so. I think it's just a lack of focus on our part, a lack of attention to detail, not starting fast, and creating holes that are too big for us to overcome in the second half. Does it get frustrating when that seems... Yes, it does. I'm fucking tired of this shit. Fucking tired of this bullshit. It's been seven fucking years of the same shit. Tired of this shit. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play fucking Philadelphia. I don't disagree with him. I love what he did. Obviously, it shows that he cares. This guy is one of the better, one of the best defensive tackles, if not the best defensive tackle in the league. Yet, he's on a defense that is ranked like 29th, which is terrible. But just the fact that this team has talent. And A, they can't get over, get out of their own way. And B, they can't keep their quarterback upright. You go up against a team, not to mention a division rival, you go up against a division rival that's coming into this game with five sacks and you give up six in that game to that team? Jonathan Allen, I commend you for talking out and speaking out on this shitty team. Now, hopefully they go out and beat the the Eagles next week. But I, I'm i okay with Jonathan Allen's comments. Now, 
I'm going to do a power rankings, but I want to do something interesting. Now, I, I've i watched Nick Wright's show on Fox, and he does like a, a quarterback mountain. Now, I didn't want to copy it, so I did the running up the score quarterback building. Okay? We're talking penthouse, lobby, the streets, whatever. So, I go by elite, extremely great talent, great, very good, good and bad at times, and to the streets. So, here we go. Elite, flying above the building. Not even in the building. He's flying above the building because he's that far away from the next quarterback. That's Patrick Mahomes. He is elite. We need to stop calling quarterbacks elite because it is a special word. Just stop. Patrick Mahomes is elite. And nobody right now is in his realm. So he's flying above the building. Then we got extremely great talent. Now, again, this is not kind of like, I'm not, this list isn't really going by the play of this year. It's just overall talent. I, I just, I look at these quarterbacks and I like to, you know, I, I don't want to take one season and put that in a bubble and say, well, this guy is good or bad because of last season or because of the way he's playing this year. I'm just going by what I see and what I think about that talent. So, extremely great talent. I have Josh Allen in that that realm. Because when you watch him, the guy has talent that not many other quarterbacks have. Now, not to mention he's like 6'5", 240. He's fast. He's got a great arm. The guy could run over a linebacker. And he makes plays. He is a very, very good quarterback. And I think he is the second best quarterback in the league under Patrick Mahomes. But then my next quarterback, Joe Burrow. There's not many quarterbacks that you can put in the Cincinnati Bengals offense that's going to do better than Joe Burrow. The Cincinnati Bengals have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. What Joe Burrow was able to do, and not only it's not only that they've had they have the worst O-line in the league this year cuz they really don't, but it's one of the worst. But they've had one of the worst offensive lines the last 3 years. And he's still taken this team very deep including a Super Bowl appearance. So, Joe Burrow is one of those talents that, you know, are up there. So, he is also in the extremely great talent. My next quarterback is Trevor Lawrence. I am so high on Trevor Lawrence. The talent that you see out of Trevor Lawrence is unbelievable. The guy makes some throws that just drops your jaw. He is going to be in this list and up on this list for a very long time. 
the next tier, next floor, two floors down, whatever you want to call it, is great. Now, I have Lamar Jackson in that list. Lamar Jackson now being the, the passer and the runner, I think that the, the, Ravens, the Ravens offense played the best that it has against the Lions. Because I, th- I felt like they struggled a bit the previous games. And the fact that what they did against the Lions, a very good Lions team, a very good, you know, front defensive line for the Lions. They made them look like chump cheese. But what Lamar Jackson did on offense was remarkable. And if he starts to to continue that, the Ravens could be a tough team to beat because right now defensively they're playing very, very well. Also in that list, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, talent-wise, is unbelievable. He really is. Yes, he he's, you know, had his struggles, but the guy talent-wise is just he if I I I feel if they get rid of Brandon Staley, and I think they should get rid of Kellen Moore. I, I mean, people are just I don't understand what people think about Kellen Moore and how they, you know, believe that he's a good offensive coordinator. I think he's I think he is a decent offensive coordinator. I don't think he's a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator and I don't think that he's helping Justin Herbert. Then I have Jalen Hurts and I have Dak Prescott. I hate putting them in the same the same tier because Dak Prescott is better than Jalen Hurts. I don't care what anybody says. But Dak Prescott is not in the tier with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Trevor Lawrence. But he's also, and, and Jalen Hurts isn't as bad as like a guy like Brock Purdy or like he's just a tad bit better. So these guys kind of end up falling in the same tier. So. Unfortunately, Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott are the next two quarterbacks in that tier, in the great tier. Now, next, we got very good. Now, very good, I have Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins showed it last night, but then you have him a game or two before, and he looks like crap. So that's why I have him very good. Jared Goff, very good. C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud already being in this tier he can only go up, I believe, because I think what I'm sh- what I'm seeing from him with the team that they have around him, he's doing remarkable things in Houston. And the the sky is the limit for D'Amico Ryan's and this Houston Texans team. All they need is a couple more pieces, especially on defense. I mean, this team could be scary eventually. Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford obviously dropped off. He's at the end of his career. I have him in the very good. Brock Purdy and Tua Tagovailoa are all in this very good tier. Next, we got good. Russell Wilson. I feel like it's still in there, but it's just not the right team for him. And he's getting older. So it's just, it's not there. Geno Smith. Geno Smith, I I mean... Last year he was so good. And then this year it's like it's a roller coaster for the Seahawks. It really is. I mean even last week I mean he had what two two picks. I I mean it's just 
he's struggling. The Seahawks are, are a roller coaster. You never know what you're going to get from Seattle. They beat the Lions, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they lay an egg. It's just it, it's tough to to decide with with the Seahawks and Geno Smith. Derek Carr, good. Baker Mayfield, good. Justin Fields, good. Uh, good and bad at the same time. This is a, a a tier that I feel as though these guys have the talent and they put it together some games and then the next game they look like the worst quarterback in the league. And that's Mac Jones. That's Kenny Pickett. That's Jordan Love. It's Desmond Ritter. It's Zach Wilson. It's Josh Dobbs. And it's Daniel Jones. And then we have to the streets. They're not even in this building. Jimmy Garoppolo, head of that cardboard box. Tell you that right now. He is not good. Then we got Deshaun Watson. I mean, he fleeced the Cleveland Browns. The Texans fleeced the Cleveland Browns. This is one of the worst trade. This is going down as one of the worst trades ever. Ryan Tannehill, garbage. Bryce Young, not good either. And I'm kind of I'm I'm deciding whether or not Sam Howell should be in this this tier. And if anything, I may just put him in the lobby. Maybe that. Maybe I'll put him in the lobby. He's in between the good and the bad and to the streets. So that is the quarterback building for running up the score. It's time for the power rankings after week seven. Number 10, I have the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, even without Deshaun Watson, maybe they're better without Deshaun Watson. This defense is, you know, still playing at a high level. Little surprised, or I'm I'm a little um, concerned about giving up 38 points to the Colts, but that could just be that, you know, playing after the 49ers kind of thing. Number nine, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. They come off a bye now. They're going into San Francisco. I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals have definitely found what they've been missing for the last couple of, the couple of weeks, and that's a healthy Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is healthy, and this team can finally start to make a move and move up in this division. That It's kind of there for the taking. So I like Cincinnati at 9. Number 8, I have Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are just above Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati will end up passing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's on and off every week. I mean, they played great this, this past week, but they've played shitty other weeks. So I like the Ravens at 8. At 7, I like the Jacksonville Jaguars come off a nice win in New Orleans against the Saints. Six, I have the Detroit Lions. Absolutely got the brakes blown off by the Ravens. But I still think that they're a decent team, and I think a team that will win the division pretty easily. The Dallas Cowboys are number five. The Dallas Cowboys coming off a bye. These are two weeks that have been very good for the Dallas Cowboys. Last week, 
They played Monday night, got a very resilient kind of win, very gritty type of win against a decent team in the Los Angeles Chargers. The Eagles lost and the 49ers lost last week. Then we come into this week, we got to buy. Can't win, you can't lose. It's okay. The Eagles, I don't want to say, you know, they blew the brakes off of Miami. They got the win, but I'm not worried about the Eagles. 49ers get the loss against the Vikings, though. That is concerning for the the 49ers, great for the Dallas Cowboys. So I like them at five. Number four, the Miami Dolphins. I'm not high on the Dolphins. I think their offense is great, but if they're stifled, this team is not good. Number three, I have the San Francisco 49ers. They've been number one since week three, and I like, I'm happy that they've lost two in a row. But I think it's still there. I think the injuries are kind of hurting them a little bit. I think that San Francisco, obviously, will still win the division. But now it kind of makes it interesting in the the NFC. Number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles haven't played well all year, but they've been getting wins. They're 6-1. and one. It was, you know, a a nice win against Miami, although I think it's a little bit more hyped than we probably should be hyping that win. And number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. And right now the Kansas City Chiefs are kind of not only establishing themselves as the number one team in the league, but they're kind of gapping, widening the gap from one to two because of how good this defense is. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball and no matter what, if he has one target or he has a couple of targets, Patrick Mahomes still puts up points, still does what he has to do to put that team in a position to win the game. And whether it's just Travis Kelsey or whether it's Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Tony, whatever he wants to do on offense, Patrick Mahomes makes it happen. And that should be very scary for the rest of the teams in this league. That is the power rankings. Before we get done with this episode, it is time for the two-minute warning. Two-minute warning, Thursday night football, Jaguars beat the Saints 31-24. Then we move on to the Sunday games. The Falcons beat the Bucks on a last-second field goal, 16-13. The Raiders get beat by the backup quarterback, Bajent, for Chicago, 30-12. The Browns squeak out. A very very high scoring game begin between the Colts and the and the Browns, 39-38. The Commanders drop an egg against the Giants, lose this one 14 to seven. Then we got the Ravens blowing the brakes off the Lions, 38 to six. Bills Patriots, Bill Belichick gets the best of Josh Allen and Doug McDermott, 29-25. Seahawks beat the Cardinals, 20 to 10. The Steelers beat up on the Rams 24-17 in L.A. The Chargers obviously are the the son of the Chiefs. It's calling them daddy, basically. The Chiefs win this one 31-17. The Broncos, the Packers, the Broncos win this one 19-17. Sunday night football, we got the Eagles beating up on the Dolphins 31-17. And then last night, Monday night football, we got the Vikings beating the 49ers in Minnesota 22 to 17. 
That will do it for today's show. We'll be back Friday with the betting trends for Sunday. Let's go. I'm Jerry. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on Sports Radio.